0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, this is a a bonus episode. I'm dropping it on Wednesday night. We have a site-wide thing on Thursday um, that I hope you all download and listen to uh, that is going out across the entire network. And what I love about the Locked On Network is before the world got crazy, you know, they were committed to paying all of us um, a set amount of money that was extremely generous. um, And that David Locke, who, you know, is the the figurehead of our whole network, that we care about people and that we care about this world and this country. And I love the fact that very quickly, they wanted to have a response with what's going on in the world and a way to, to, you know, that we can't just sit back silent. So they came up with a way to go about it. They came up with a group and it's going to be something great to listen to but I also didn't want to have the Indians make two first round picks and there'd be nothing there. So we're going to do a quick one. I'm going to talk about both players. I'm going to talk about what my thoughts were, what, uh, what I heard from others, and you know we'll, we'll do our typical. We're going to start with Carson Tucker and then the second half we'll talk about Tanner Burns and we'll go from there. Carson Tucker, 23rd overall, second uh, lowest consensus rating of any player taken in the first round. Uh, he was rated more in the 40s and 50s in most places, but he is a sure shortstop. Older brother is Cole Tucker, who was uh, is in the Pirates' system, played with the Pirates last year in the majors. Uh, he has he can hit some. There's a chance for an above-average plus hit tool, and he can definitely defend. Uh, he's a good athlete, and you know that I've written. I think I wrote in my profile on him that I'd love to do a study because I feel that uh, younger brothers end up being better than older brothers more often than not. Uh, when we get to the data and look at it. Now, when I went and I looked at Carson's overall data, uh, data, data, in terms of some of his uh, advanced, you know, exit velocities, uh, how quick is his bat, none of that was great. And I don't think he's ever, ever going to have power. You're basically hoping, and he's not a plus athlete, he's none of those things, but he does enough to get by. And, you know, he should be able to stick at shortstop. Uh, The report I got... um, talking to someone who knows him who had direct contact with the Indians was that the Indians love his defense and they think he'll rake offensively, which is funny because I think rake was then the exact same term that his brother used. No, my source was not his brother, um, but uh, they, the exact, what was they love with a bunch of O's the glove and think the bat is coming now that is literally the same thing you could say about Miguel Cairo and Yordis Valdez who we profiled this week and I was not uh, a big fan of either I do like Tucker significantly more than both of those players Uh, Cairo was not in my top 100, and Valdez was in the 80s when I did a big uh, top 100 a year ago. And for me, Carson uh, Tucker was, I believe, 50. I can pull that up pretty easily. Uh, You know, I did my stream tonight. Yeah, I had him 50. And originally, I had him a lot higher. I'll be honest. When I sat down to do the whole thing, I put him... uh, Like, I was thinking he was going to be... Oh, he'll be late 30s because he's a prep shortstop who I know can stick at shortstop. But I just didn't see uh, offensively anything there outside of the hit tool. Maybe he'll grow into more. Um, You know, I really didn't think Lindor would be more than just stellar defense and a plus-hit tool, and all of a sudden the power came. Uh, Not to say he's Lindor. I would never compare anyone directly to Lindor, but I'm just saying things can change. But the consensus was, like, I had Tucker going to Tampa Bay one pick later because they, like, up the middle talent, and... uh, well, we know that they like up-the-mill talent, and he was a prep player. We knew it was going somewhere in the 20s. The bigger thing with him was uh, the reason why he was the second lowest-rated player consensus boards taken is that he was willing to sign for significantly under slot. He was kind of an El, an El Cheapo, so you were going to get him and then try to come back and get a bigger name talent. Uh, we'll get back to that in a second. So I thought whoever took him would be a team that would look to swing back around. Uh, instead, Tampa took Nick Bitsko, who was by far... The top-rated player on my board, the last of the guys in the top 10 on my draft board. Um, Great selection there. Uh, And then, interesting enough, they had a kind of an approach that mirrored the Indians, where um, they took a short stop and a right-handed pitcher. Uh, And we'll get into the Indians' right-handed pitcher in the second half of the show I don't love the Carson Tucker pick. And I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going, man, you didn't like the Indians draft a year ago. And I didn't. And we have different approaches. But what is clear is that the Indians are very much uh, committed to shortstop firsts and guys who they think can defensively handle the position. Uh, They want to find someone who can handle it. They want to keep building up a, a stream of talent that way. And there's worse things than having a never ending pipeline of shortstops. Teams always need them. But, uh, yeah, that seems the approach is they're just adding all the shortstops and Tucker is an interesting shortstop, uh, in terms of the prep shortstop class. He was, you know, the best high school shortstop left on the board. One could argue Nick Lofton was the best shortstop in general left, but the Indians, uh, they went and they did the underslot signing and we'll see how it pays off if it pays off. But, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. I, I, Thought for sure he was going one pick later to Tampa. Our sponsor for today's show is Postmates. When you want something, any time of day, any day, Postmate it. So the nice thing about Postmates is, unlike, you know, you look at something like Uber, and or not, well, Uber Eats or you look at Grubhub and that and it's all like restaurant based Postmates brings you whatever you want. If you need something from the corner store, they'll bring it to you. If you need your groceries, they'll bring it to you. Whatever you need, you go on that app. You look at what's open and available when they can get it to you and they bring it to your door. Uh, if you are feeling lazy, if you're not feeling well, if you just don't want to go outside, Postmate it. Remember that when you do use Postmates, use the promo code Locked On, and you're going to get $100 of free delivery in your first seven days. So you download the app; it's very easy to use. You use the promo code Locked On, and then it is free money in terms of delivery for you. Postmates.com. Make sure to use Locked On, so I know we sent you. So when the Indians made that Carson Tucker pick, I just I told everyone calm down you know, this, everyone and their mother knows Carson Tucker is signing for under slot. That's the whole thing about Carson Tucker is he's going to sign for under slot. So let's see who they come back and get a 36. And then immediately Nick Bitsko goes off the board with the next pick. I'm like, well, okay. Well, Tanner Witt is still there and they've been heavily connected to him. You know, a few picks before that, the Cardinals took Jordan Walker, which is a bit of a blow because a lot of us thought he was going to go to the Indians. Uh, So we're just sitting there and it's going quick and it's interesting because like Baltimore does not go with an over slot selection. And but the second overall pick, they took Heston Gerstad, who was a massive underslot pick. And then they get Jordan Westberg, who's an interesting talent, and this is the right range for him, but he could go for slot. He doesn't even need to be over-slot. And then Kansas City, um, they might have saved a little bit of money or have a little bit more wiggle room, and they go for a player who's around the slot range. And a lot of these teams are not going over-slot, and that makes sense for like a Kansas City or a Baltimore, because on day two, they start out. You know, they, these are teams are in the first five teams to go. So right now, Baltimore, who has the second overall pick, can call a Tanner Witt and be like, we can offer you this. Will you take it? Like, they can—teams uh, can readjust in the overnight. Uh, and if you're picking high, you can readjust easily. The Indians are not picking high. Uh, their selection is going to come—I would have to pull and see exactly where it is. But, you know, it's going to be— uh, well. Late in the draft, it's going to be. um, So, tomorrow starts with uh, pick 38, the Indians pick at 56. They don't have that. So, I thought for sure, pick 36, they're going to spend a bunch of money. Um, And they took Tanner Burns. Uh, It's interesting because Tanner Burns is another guy where I thought uh, I would be higher on him than I inevitably ended up being. And why did I think I'd be high? Uh, He had really good data, you know, really good production in the SEC. Like, that's such a good. Indicator of future success, and he's got a big fastball that he gets up there to 97. Uh, his slider is an above-average to plus pitch, and he's got a workable change. He's a three-pitch, three three-pitch mix guy, low walk rate, which is an Indians thing, and good velocity in his fastball. Now he is six feet even, and he has worn down every, uh, you know, well this year we didn't get a chance. We wore down his freshman and sophomore years. Um, he was awesome until he wore down, and there's been minor injuries. And I think there's a real concern he could end up in the pen because if he's having a hard time uh, with the wear and tear of the college season, that's nothing on the uh, the major league season. But at the end of the day, I mean, he is a guy who has three pitches and can control the ball. And we know the Indians like walk rate, and he fits in that regard. Uh, some places had him in the 20s, so that's a good value. I, I don't know if you have to go under, over slot to sign him. I don't know what the valuation, because all of these guys were kind of in just a big grouping. Um, we saw a lot of college arms. Slade Ciccone also was a name that comes to mind, kind of go in this group. I'm trying to think who else went in there and I'm kind of blanking, but um, you know, it's one of those things. We just saw all of these guys go in there and the Indians took Burns and Burns is a safe arm because I think he could be an awesome reliever. And I think he likely turns into an awesome reliever. But at the end of the day, item 35th on my board. He's not a bad selection there. You know, he, he went one place after where um, I had him in terms of my rankings, and I was lower than a lot of places. But the problem is, I had other players that were higher. And I think, you know, other teams, uh, you know, I just said the Rays and the Indians did the same thing. They both took right handers with big fastballs, and then they both took athletic defensive sh- first shortstops. I just thought the Rays did it better. And that's kind of where I stand on that, even at this point in time. Uh, but yeah, you know, Burns, go look at his sophomore data and you can see why the Indians drafted him. That is the, the value. You know, this is a guy who pitched as a freshman. He stepped right in as a starter on Auburn's team uh, behind Casey Mize. And then he stepped into Casey Mize's uh, shoes in his sophomore year. And just to give you an idea, strikeouts per nine, 1139 Walks per nine, 9, This year in limited opportunities. Walks per 9, two, eight, two. Strikeouts per 9, 12.9. Uh, you just wish that, you know, and as a freshman, he pitched 86 innings. That was his highest amount. Uh, that year it was a strikeouts per 9 of 8 and a walk per 9 of three eight four. So definite improvement over the years. And he's a well-built kid at 6 feet and 215 pounds. Uh, you're hoping you get like a 4-5 starter. Um But then you also know that if you don't get a 4-5 starter, you get a really good, maybe multi-inning type of reliever. Um, But we'll have to see. It's interesting because, again, Carson Tucker should be a significant under-slot signing for the Indians. And then you go and you bring in Tanner Burns, who should... Like, this was his draft range. I can't see him costing too much over-slot. So do they just kind of wait and see? Uh, Who are they going to take in round three? Uh, There's a lot of interesting players. Uh, I can pull up I just had tweeted out like my top 11 like Dylan Dingler who I loved uh, still there everyone thought he would stand no chance but he is he's there Clayton Beater, who some people thought had the best present stuff in this draft Uh, Cole Wilcox With Wilcox, it's like, does he consider going back? JT Ginn, does he consider going back? Tanner Witt supposedly has a big bonus demand. Logan Allen would be great just for confusion. Jared Kelly never really fit with the Indians, no matter what anyone says. Not for young, for the class, not great trackman data. Blaze Jordan is a guy who did have some Indians connections. Uh, Rumors with him. Carson Montgomery, 17-year-old. Mason Wynn uh, can play both ways, very athletic. CJ Van Eyck, undersized uh, Florida State right-hander and I go 11 deep there and even talk about Chris McMahon in the Miami uh, right-handed pitcher who could be up here who had an awesome you know month of the season there's that's the depth of this class like there's going to be a really good player available for the Indians at pick fifty six I'm just curious to see uh, who it's gonna be and you know who goes where and how they use that money but yeah I I don't know. Again, it's just not my favorite draft. <laughs> but that's just something I'm used to. The Indians and I do not agree on drafts. There are uh, teams that I tend to match up close with. Uh, Toronto, in particular, over the past few years, we've agreed the most. Um, Chicago, White Sox, though not not this year. Uh, not at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Indians added two talented players. Um, I don't know if either of them come close to cracking their top five prospects. Uh, it's, it is odd after the last few years of them swinging for the fences, this was a pretty conservative draft. I mean, they took one of the most proven SEC arms who's already got some limitations but has high-level performance and a prep shortstop with Bloodlines who uh, has limited ceiling uh, but present defensive tools And I I would say if there's one huge takeaway from all of this, it's the fact that, you know, the Indians are valuing defense. Uh, Last year's picks showed it. Carson Tucker showed it. And we'll have to see. uh, Again, money is going to be interesting to see, just because Tucker isn't signing for slot. Uh, Burns should be about slot. And pick 56 is a really interesting one. So tune in for Friday's show. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this quicker one on these two selections. Friday's show Uh, is going to be better in this, though, because Friday's show, we've got the second, third, fourth, and fifth round. We have four picks to talk about. we can really dive in. This is just two. Most of the the Indians drafts is Friday. So if you had a friend who's curious about the draft, make sure to have them check out this one. Make sure that they check out Fridays. That's where we're going to get into the meat of this draft. And the Indians have a lot of money left on the pool, a lot of money in terms of pool money left on the table to spend. They can go out and get some talent in these next few rounds. Uh, This could be, the next few picks might be more exciting and even some bigger names based on just talent left and based on the amount the Indians have spent. I have been Jeff Ellis. I hope you've enjoyed this quick draft preview. I did a three-hour live stream on YouTube. Attendance was up and down. Um, You can jump around through that and see my comments. I was trying to multitask and do things. I don't know how well it went, but that is up on YouTube. Uh, you can find that. But uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. You as a group are fantastic, and I love you all, and thank you for the constant support on this podcast. Remember to check on our flagship podcast, the Locked On Baseball Podcast. And look forward to the, the special episode we have for Thursday. And as always, go Tribe. And again, it's not a bad draft. It's just not what I would do. And the Indians and I have very different approaches. I can see why they did what they did. While I don't love it, you can't judge it fully until we see more. So even this podcast can't be complete in a way because I can't can't help myself. I don't want to seem negative, but we have to see what they're going to do with the rest of that pool money. So this time I do mean it. Go Tribe.